Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Sarah Nonu, uh, Nick Hare and Peter Coggle of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing hand roasted coffee. Nick, how's your hand roasted coffee? Is it is it nice? It must be mm, really. I can almost smell it from here. Tell us about it. I'm actually drinking Nescafe Gold Blend at the moment. But me too. I um the other day I went to my local hipster shop, which living in mm. North London, there's a profusion of, and mm. um and I needed coffee, so I got some, and and it said on the front, hand roasted coffee. Mm. Now I must be honest, it is very nice coffee. It's not. I'm not. You know, certainly isn't a dig at the coffee, but it did make me think, what on earth do I want my coffee to be hand roasted for or even what that means? Mm. Um, Does a man actually put his hand in and rummage around in the coffee or is it that he's is he loading the roaster or is he is he operating the burner? Is he doing it somehow with a flamethrower or, you know, is he just pressing a button which turns the machine on Mm. or is he in a is he in a call? Is he in like a kind of office cubicle somewhere and he just clicks on the mouse and the whole thing starts and that's still using his. I don't care. I don't care about (laughs) any of that. It's the thing I don't I it just makes no difference to me whatsoever. But it is part of a very prevalent trend over the last couple of decades of things becoming artisanal and hand roasted and hand made and sourdough and real ingredients and delicatessen style. And I really I want to ask what that's all about. There's a real cachet to it, isn't there? Um yeah. So I, I guess one thing we need to nail down is, has there really been a growth in this kind of thing? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think what we'll talk about is what's with all this artisanal rubbish, basically. Um, who wants to jump in? Peter, Sarah, how do you feel about it? Are you as irritated by this stuff as Nick is? I don't know if I'm as irritated by this stuff as Nick is. I think it would be good to like kind of figure out what artisanal actually means. Um, because as Nick kind of alluded to, it's often a bit vague and and open for interpretation so I did have a little look just to be clear on what the definition was and a couple came up um, mm. you know it's high quality and distinct a distinctive product that's made in school, small quantities mm-hmm. um, by hand or traditional methods so thinking cheeses your bakery goods and stuff um, and yeah limited batches in a traditional or non-mechanized way um, mm. and yeah so I I think there's more than just artisanal that's often a bit vague in terms of what we think about when we when it comes to food. Look, is this a really quick podcast that we can wrap up in five minutes? Is it the case that the world, as it's become you know increasingly industrialized, industrialized, mechanized, etc., is that there's a real cachet and a rarity value to this stuff that is handmade? One and two, combined with that, um, I often fantasize about being um, on the on the BBC BBC show uh, Room One Hundred One, right, where um, I would have trouble whittling it down. So just for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's where um, coming off. You could fill an entire series, could you? I could. Just like what he wouldn't put in. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, there's something I don't like about BBC Room 101, which I think it strays too far. You'd put Room 101 in there itself. I could actually. It does actually annoy me because they have strayed too far from the concept of what Room 101 is. Because Room 101, as we all know, comes from uh, the George Orwell novel 1984, where um, what the state does to anybody who's particularly um, uh, rebellious or, or, or 
going along with that. You get put into room 101. What is room 101? It's where the thing that you fear the most is in there. And that's how they torture you. And I think in his case, it's rats, isn't it? Um, in the case of, what's his name, Winston? Winston um, Smith. Yeah, no, so that's what I don't like about Room 101 on the BBC, is it's just stuff that annoys me. Annoys me. Because stuff that annoys me and stuff that I'm frightened of is not the same thing. Because with me, my actual Room 101 would be wasps. It's been, anyway, dumb, it's been dumbed down, Fraser. It's been it? dumbed down, yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't quite see it's going to so. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't uh, even but, know what this room 101 is. Well, it doesn't it doesn't really quite make sense because room 101 ought to be things, as Fraser says, that you're highly averse to. But yeah. they treat it as though putting it in room 101 is sort of destroying it and getting rid of it, which, of course, it isn't. But it's celebrities go on yeah. and talk about stuff they don't like. This will get to my second point, which is something that would go into my room 101. And you're going to like this is going to bring us right back into our conversation is individualism. OK, because I think there's a real um, growth in in value attached to individuals and individualism that's happened um, with the rise of um, Western culture. And I think that links into this sort of um, artisanal thing. Right. Which is. Yeah. So I think it's the growth of the two. So. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think the art, 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 artisanal products are nothing new. That's just how stuff has always used to be made. It's just that the the marketing engine has seized upon this individualism movement and found a way to market the stuff that always used to be made that way in a way that's appealed to, to that. So your your ba- your bakery at the end of the street has always been there. It's always been baking bread, probably in a very similar way, but now they've only just recently started saying, "Oh, it's now hand baked in small batches, high quality." It always was that, but now they've actually it's become a marketing meme that they can. They can, they can, they can leap on. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a, it, the cynic in me would say that it's, you know, it's just like the new organic. It's just, it's just a new marketing ploy that now that everyone's doing organic, you need something new to, to differentiate yourself. And this, and it's this, uh, this is the new kind of the new meme that you can that you can jump on. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's, uh, Peter's presenting both some observations and some theory, and I agree with with the observations partly. Um, but I think before we get on to theories, you 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 did ask this question of you know is it is it just our perception or has there been a growth? Um, hmm. There's been a growth in two things. One is in artisanal type products, and the other certainly is in artisanal type marketing. Hmm. And they are two different things. And as usual, whenever we do a podcast which involves looking at marketing, I always end up feeling a bit dirty having to research ghastly things about you know artisanal brand values and all of that stuff um now peter alluded to the fact he said the bakery at the bottom of your road has always been there well no i mean there was no bakery near me when i was uh, a kid or the uh, uh, you know there might have been one which sold bread rolls and, and square loaves um even wholemeal bread was only something that started being bought again in the 1970s thanks to people like cranks you know uh, up until the 1950s and 60s progress in in bread for example was considered to be refining an ever more you know nutritionally balanced consistent white spongy loaf the chorley wood loaf um and and until eventually you know it reached its apotheosis in the in the lovely square you know spongy uh, white bread that you can still mm. obviously buy but there was certainly no provision for um certainly no provision for for brown bread in the you know in the 70s very few sort of bakers sold it and um and now you know and sourdough is something that you know you can get in supermarkets now but you would have struggled to find 10 or even 15 years ago so i think there has been a rise in products which we can think of as artisanal 
but what they, but they the really the thing that turns my stomach and I think we probably railing against is the whole marketing thing. And that's where there's been, I mean, you know, that you can now get artisanal pizzas from Domino's for crying out loud. So it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, what Danny says in, uh, in with Mel and I about they're selling hippie wigs in Woolworths, man. Um, there, there, there's been uh, actually a few controversies at advertising standards, uh, controversies. Um, for example, Tesco, did you know that Tesco has fictional farm names? When you go and buy your Boswell Farms beef or your Willow Farm potatoes, they're just brands. They're not. They're not the names yeah. of actual farms where they're artisanally killing your cow. Um, the Real Bread campaign complained um, to the Advertising Standards Authority about sourdough bread, supposed sourdough bread, but which is actually made, but from a mix. And you know, Allison's, Warburton's, Hovis—they all do this. They sell sourdough bread, but it's mainly just baker's yeast with with additives. The Advertising Standards Authority said that. Um, actually, consumers understand artisan simply to mean premium. And that complaint was not upheld, but they did uphold a complaint about a video which showed a man baking a loaf, because that is not what happens with the <laughs> sourdough bread you buy from, you know, from the supermarket. It's made, mm. in, a, it's made in a factory. So there has definitely been, I mean, c clearly people see this as attractive and the marketers, as always, vultures as they are, have latched onto that. And now everything is marketed artisanally. But I think I think let's not neglect the fact that actually there has been a really big real movement for for, you know, nicely made proper ingredients, locally sourced, etc. We might not all be on board with that, but that, that is definitely a trend. OK, so, so where do we want to go with this discussion? Because we've identified more or less what's happening. Nick just said a word that I want to call into question. Uh, and I think this comes into the fact that, you know, artisanal is a bit of a buzzword now. It does have the meaning of usually it it is a high quality product. But as Nick noted, there are a lot of companies and big market and large conglomerates that are using that word. He mentioned Domino's. Um, there's also Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks and McDonald's. McDonald's. I think they have an artisan chicken burger yep. or something. That's the thing. But you also said something that I want to call to, which is you said stuff that was locally sourced. Now, there's actually no definition of what local means. So does that mean it's 10 miles from where it is, 100 miles? And that's quite across the board. On, on the a same lot planet, it's probably close yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of terms like that. Uh, natural for one. Uh, there's actually no standard of what natural mm. means. Um, basically, or what handmade means. Or what handmade means. Yeah. What craft means. Uh, free range it's hard to actually verify what people mean by that um, organic if a product is organic does that mean it's fully organic or it's made partially with um, organic materials and how much of that is needed to say it's organic so there's a there's a lot of terms when it comes to food so so organic it has been recently standardized in order for something to be marketed or the organic their the rules are quite defined but you're quite right Sarah that the, the these new terms the handmade the handcrafted the artisanal these are these are uh these are there's a vacuum of any kind of standardization of terminology here and standards so they are that's the play space of marketeers is to make you buy stuff is yeah. using and bending the meaning of words i don't know if there's an interesting direction to go in but it seems to me that there are certain areas certain products um that lend themselves to being artisanally made so for example um you know uh, coffee for example bread um and then um you know even i know books looking behind me you know so even books you there's a value in in having those yeah exactly 
But I wonder what what would not, or what would what would it be great? What about a car, an artisanal car? Well, I, so I have a thought experiment for you. Yes, would you buy an artisanal saucepan? Would you buy artisanal paracetamol? Yeah. Would you buy an artisanal computer? <laughs> I mean, or an artisanal safety helmet? What about so, an artisanal podcast? You know? Yeah, I th I think I think so so. I think there is clearly it is not purely branding because there is something to do with the um, types of goods. So what is it? I think we're edging towards a theory of artisanalness. So why does it relate to some things, but not so some things you want to be manufactured, you want to be standardized. Well, I have a theory. I do have a theory, but I'm not sure. I haven't made it. I haven't really. This hasn't been thrashed out on the artisanal anvil of my idea smithy yet. But um, mm. I have this theory that it is about the. If you track the kinds of goods that people spend most of their money on and mm. think about climbing up Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, you, you start with things that are uh, sort of very basic goods like shelter and um, you move towards uh, in general. And the way that economies have evolved is, has been towards manufactured goods, manufactured goods really benefit from being made in a factory by and large you know you want a, a teapot that's just like all the other teapots and won't fall apart by and large right nails oh. adam smith used the example of pins you know things that are much more efficiently and and probably produced to a higher quality or at least can be produced to a higher quality in a factory but as you progress beyond the sort of manufacturing stage you are producing goods that are much more about ex services and experiences and and i think we even though we're happy with mass-produced goods, there is something in the nature of an experience, and I haven't quite worked it out yet, whether it's someone cooking for you, uh, someone cutting your hair, someone washing your car, where you want to feel that that's a service that they're doing for you and not a, you're not just a, one of many you know things that has been churned out of a factory. That's I think that I, I that would be my theory about what can be artisanal or what we want to be artisanal as if it's something that's a bit more like an experience, um, you know, be it eating a loaf of bread and and not like a thing that we buy and use. I don't think it's a complete theory, but it's a theory. It's a starting point. I did find a poll, I believe it's called the Harris Poll study on this, and it looked at also the generational divide. So millennials are more inclined to want artisanal crafted products. You know, they like to express um, their individuality, mm. they have one-offs, one-of-a-kind things, um, as well as supporting small businesses. And boomers and above were pretty much didn't buy into it. So mm. I think that kind of supports in what you're saying in terms of, you know, there are things that we do like that we want to have that individual experience. I know that I definitely like artisanal products and one of a kind things and that can often be a bit more expensive. But it's nice to have. Those are your nice yeah, to have, right? It's interesting you said that actually, because that, that reminds me of a document. I mean what we're saying is there there is a signaling element. I mean there's yeah. a quality element which I think we can touch on is 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 are those sorts of goods actually better if they're artisanal um we can argue about that um but there is also a signaling element and it reminds me of a documentary i saw about billionaires and mm. obviously if you're a billionaire you no longer care about the price of anything cost is not an issue what you are trying to do is find something which is really hard to get which is essentially unique yeah it's a similar kind of thing really you know if your loaf of bread is handmade <clears throat> nobody else can have a loaf of bread like that but let's turn this on itself we've been a bit down apart from sarah we've been a bit down on um art because also we'd be we don't want to put it out 
work all those artisans right um so just to be specific i am not down on artisanal products i'm down on artisanal branding yeah Mm. and i'm down on large conglomerates using artisanal and taking away the actual value from the word okay right so that's quite a a bit of a it's a bit of a, a tricky sort of um, needle to thread, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, um, Sarah, what artisanal stuff do you like? Um, ceramics. I really like like handmade ceramics, bowls, platters. I'm I'm very much into that. I don't know why, but I am. Um, and artwork. I'm very into like going when we travel. I like to go to local galleries um, or little mm. art stores and purchase something local um, that's made from mm-hmm. someone. It's just in the village to take home with mm-hmm. me i don't like to buy mass produced artworks or ceramics so art and ceramics okay what about on the food side of things oh, i do like a lot of food uh most probably i would say bread i bread i like to buy like nice loaves of bread because we don't eat a lot of it uh cheeses and meats okay oh and i do like a good coffee like i'll go to find a little coffee shop instead of like a starbucks or a costa gotcha Okay, that's quite an artisanally rich uh, life. It sounds like so far. Mm. Um, mm. You just you're, you're fulfilling all these sort of millennial sort of tropes yeah. that we've got. Sarah. Well, that's it. Like I, I really can relate to like the studies and stuff in terms of saying like millennials do this because I, I I do do this. But in saying that, like I buy one loaf of artisanal bread maybe mm. a fortnight, and I will get a coffee when I go out, which is like maybe once or twice a week particularly with lockdown hardly ever yeah and i only buy these these artworks and things when i travel yeah which i can't do much of at the moment and ceramics i'm trying to sit, save for it buy a house so i'm definitely not buying them peter what about you any artisanal stuff in your life no not really. no I, I don't like stuff as we've covered before mm. um but and i and by and large i'm pretty happy with my long life white bread with margarine spread um uh so I, you know I, thumbs up peter i'm quite happy with that actually i make my own bread well actually my bread maker makes my own bread but that so it's it's treading Ooh. a fine line i think that straight away gives you a hundred points in yeah. the artisanal stuff. yeah does that yeah. not mean that like you're that's artisanal is that some not form of a maybe not artisanal but you know especially you ha- are an artisan homemade. i am an artisan yeah. yeah yeah you can't buy my bread anywhere because nope. i don't sell it Exclusive. um so yeah, I yeah, I, I I'm really not swept up with any artisan product. The, now the, that say say for um, the kind of where it's it is genuinely a better product or a, or a, a, an interesting product, and I'm thinking in the world of like craft beer, uh, where without the sort of artisanal craft beer world, we wouldn't have good beer in the world. We'd just all be drinking Carlsberg. Mm. Um, and it would be a sad place. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of is where it's where it's where the sort of where, where I can forgive the marketing is where it goes hand in hand with actually a, a developing new set of products, a new market. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that. That's all. That's all. That's I quite. Yeah, that's, I like those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like beer. Yeah, uh, Nick. Yeah, anything? same really. Actually, you know, I do, I like nice. I do like nice food and 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 beer as well. And, I, I, you know, during one of many billions of people who who cultured my own sourdough uh, starter during during lockdown, and um, I brew my own beer, admittedly from a kit. But uh, if I was that motivated, I could, uh, you know, keep the yeast going. So um, I like all of those things. I would also include music. I, I you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm probably not alone in finding modern 
heavily produced pop music utterly horrendous and uh you know i like all i like the the music with the imperfections you know from before before they had um uh quantized you know drum tracks and uh people made mistakes and those kinds of things i mean i I, so and i think i think it sort of boils down to i think there's one of the things that sarah's touching on is this sort of japanese wabby sabby type aesthetic where you know things are different and imperfect and that that makes them intrinsically nice there's something nice about that and i think this is this is where we get onto this sort of intrinsic value i remember we had a we did a podcast a while back about about whiskey about whether whether or not if something was chemically identical but one whiskey had been owned by you know uh winston churchill would that whiskey somehow be better and i think peter took the view that definitely not and i took the view that will def- that definitely yes and i think something's being handmade by someone who cares about it mm. and that's a key thing like someone who's motivated to make it because they like the thing and they want to make a nice thing and not because they want to make a profit you know like a marketing person does that where they actually do they like they're mo- they started a bakery because they love bread rather than they started no. a bakery because they want to make money and bread is the thing they chose i think does make it just better you know Mm. um so yeah yeah i mean i was just looking through just seeing if there's anything because the stuff that you went through there sarah um i think also what is it most i can't be bothered well you now you've just moved to lincolnshire so i'm hoping that Mm. you will find yourself a local butcher who makes their own hastlet because hastlet is one of the finest foods in britain and it's very little known about Oh God, you're the worst Lincolnshireman I've ever met. Hazlet is basically, you know, Lincolnshire sausage. Yes, it's basically like a giant round Lincolnshire sausage that's pre-cooked. Brilliant. And um, it, as as far as oh, I'm no, aware, you mean it's pre-cooked. As well, it's, it's cured, cooked. You or? can eat it cold. You you just buy it. It's like imagine a Lincolnshire sausage a cross between a Lincolnshire sausage and a ham, right? So it's a l- big lump of yeah. Lincolnshire sausage meat that is cooked. So you can take it home and cut a slice off it and stick That's it in your good. sandwich. Like but it's particularly good sliced, obviously, but fried a little bit first. Excellent with brown sauce. Um, I think that can't be produced in factories because no one buys it. Uh, only people in Lincolnshire, mainly me, uh, <laughs> buy, buy uh, Hayslip. But you, you you must go and find yourself some some Hayslip. But uh, yeah, sorry. Apart from that, carry on. Well, I'm going to look that up. But um, actually, most of the stuff you were saying, actually, I've got another, another bugbear, which I think I've mentioned before, which is coffee. Um, that does my bloody head in how people um bang on about coffee it's just oh, bloody coffee i know it's just like, coffee. i found a, in among all the horrible marketing things i found there's a costa costa says coffee is an art and our baristas are artisans learn about the passion and precision that goes into each cup have you ever been in a costa passion and precision <laughs> you seen them they're good i mean they're not criticizing costa i like their coffee but they're not you wouldn't describe their their people who work there as passionate but i remember a few years ago i was in uh, i rarely drink coffee but i was in central london and i was at, at my job and i'd popped out to have a cup of coffee and the, the nearest place was this artisanal place um and with this classic sort of owner manager there um who looks straight out you know he looked like he ran a cereal shop on brick lane right right he, he that's the like full-on hipster and i asked him if he could do me a decaf coffee and t- i think maybe that's not a thing i don't know but he looked at me as if i just spat in one of his mm. coffee urns and and i just want to say what, what do you think you're making here mate is this fabergé eggs or something it's just bloody coffee anyway lighten up boomer um yeah, yeah I, I was just gonna i was gonna say i was gonna explore i got a feeling i got a prediction yeah that, um that the sort of the the sort of marketing vogue is somewhat cyclical mm. and 
within a few years, maybe a maybe a couple of decades, there'll be a return, a resurgence of the factory made being a marketing uh, a marketing device for indicating or trying to indicate quality and desirability in a product. Um, I'm thinking back to sort of margarine. Let's use margarine as a as an example. Right? You can't actually buy margarine being marketed as margarine anymore. It's all called like something like butter. I can't believe it's not mm. butter or flora mm. butterly. Um, mm. And the flora is particular painful example. So it's flora butterly, a hundred percent plant goodness is what's written on it. Basically, okay, yeah, it's vegetable oil, but it's it's margarine. It's turned into margarine. So I'm because the the the, the, ch- the adverts of the sort of 40s 50s 60s are kind of quite charming they they make a big thing about the standardization of their product being a desirable thing it being high quality because it's quality controlled it it being fresh because it comes in a sealed can um so they make they make they make a big thing about the factory the factory made element of it being a good marker of quality yeah in fact i've I've got a margarine advert in front of me from what looks like the possibly the 40s or 50s and it says every step in the process of manufacture is watched with great care not a single hand touches it until you open the package it's the total opposite of handmade yeah i wish you'd carried on as you said that every single one is is watched with great hair that's what you were initially saying but um but uh, we need to stop there we need to finish up um before we do is anything um yeah, anything anyone wants to pipe up with something? I think I think it may be worth mentioning uh, a guy, a very interesting uh, guy called Venkatesh Rao, who I think we've mentioned before. has got a blog called Ribbon Farm, but he he's very good at, at nailing these sort of slightly amorphous concepts that once you read about them, you think, yes, that is a thing. And um, he's he's got this uh, phrase which he calls premium mediocre. <laughs> and he said, this is kind of, I suppose, at the marketing end, but it says premium mediocre is the finest bottle of wine at Olive Garden, which I guess is a sort of American equivalent of something like Ask. Um, premium mediocre is cupcakes and froyo. It's truffle oil on anything. Mm. Um, extra legroom seats in economy, cruise ships, artisan pizza, Game of Thrones and the Bellagio. He, uh, <clears throat> and he says premium mediocre is food that Instagram is better than it tastes. I, I, I think that's source of what we're talking about. Uh, you know, all of these companies d- releasing an artisan chicken burger it is, is sort of, you know, attempting to create a premium brand out of what can never be. A premium mm. brand so yeah. i thought i'd point that out because i think it's very close to what we're discussing yeah, absolutely okay we'll stop there um thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast uh, is it going to be hand edited you you, you still i was about to come in with some great lines here <laughs> um I, I hope you've enjoyed your slow roasted handcrafted <laughs> um aged you know half-baked podcast but thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with sarah nonu uh peter coghill and the care of aleph insights until next time goodbye